0: Um, all right, so I want to talk to you today about knowledge versus wisdom. And, you know, what's interesting, I, I was kind of going back and, it was, and it was reviewing some of my notes from back in COVID. Um, and, you know, there were five things that I, I sort of pulled from that experience. Um, number one, we always have to have a, a, a crisis plan, always, okay, uh, because we never know when a crisis is coming. Uh, you know it's interesting, I think back in two thousand and eight that was a crisis uh, I think about but but you know at least we we probably should have known, maybe we didn't know, but we probably should have known it was coming right um Covid probably not so much, nobody knew that was coming, but <clears throat> we're sort of at the top of the market again and 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 frankly uh, we, we'd be sort of a little ridiculous if we didn't acknowledge that which goes up ultimately will come down, so you know we're likely to see another quote unquote crisis god. Forbid it be as, as bad as the previous two, but, you know, have the plan, right? Number one. Number two, um, you know, we, we really look into saying, hey, we should, we should do an annual valuation of our company, uh, individual agents, company, every single year, just to make sure that you're making really good decisions, right? So that you can cut as you grow, which is number three. Because just because things that you had in place before doesn't mean that you should always do it, right? Those are the, the sacred cows that they talk about, right? Um, and then there's all, there's this thing called A-B testing. And we, we said, hey, it needs to be an A-B-C testing, meaning everything that you do, don't just do one, try three and figure out which one is better. Carrie was just talking about it when it comes to social media. And then of course, there's an 80-20 rule, which probably is now the 90-10 rule, which is you take 80% of your resources, 80% of your time, and you allocate them to the things that you know work always, period, end of story if you want to test some new stuff, awesome. You take 20% and you test always tracking to determine whether or not they're good, right? This, this, the difference between knowledge and, and wisdom. And, and again, in my definition of knowledge versus wisdom is knowledge is having information, right? We can gain knowledge by reading and researching and memorizing the facts, but wisdom is knowing when to use the knowledge, right? That comes from this experiential component. And <clears throat> at this point, Ooh, we've got some experience. Uh, if you don't have it, you can steal some of mine. I went to the school of hard knocks. It's just kind of how I was wired. I'm happy to share some of my bumps and bruises with you. Uh, but, the, you know, I don't know if you all saw, but I, I was reading, I think it came out yesterday afternoon. Um, there was some, you know what, back, I'm going to back up here for just a second because he, here's the truth of the matter. What concerns me is that there are a lot of people out in the space claiming to be wise. And if you allow them to control the narrative, then shame on us for allowing somebody else to tell a story. I, I want to read to you, uh, there was an article last week that came out on in Inman uh, from an agent and, and the title is Eight Bogus Questions Sellers Ask When Interviewing a Listing Agent. Now listen, I, I'm no rocket scientist here, but uh, there were some of these questions I was like, well, why are those bogus? right? So, but I'll let you be the judge. I'm, I'm, I'll just read through these really fast. I love these. These are great. Uh, number one, bogus question. Can't believe that a seller would ask an agent if they can see their real estate license. Eh, maybe. I guess we don't really carry them around with this, but I don't know. I, I, I would think that if I'm a seller and I hire an agent, I'd want to make sure that they have an active uh, real estate license, but I don't know, maybe. Uh, number two, what's the average days on the market for your listings? what this writer is suggesting is that the average number of days it takes for you to put a property under contract and sell is irrelevant to the seller. Uh, Moving right along. Uh, Number three, what is your list to sale price ratio? Irrelevant. How close you get to the list price is irrelevant to the seller. Okay. Number four, Where's your office located? Suggesting here that sellers don't care if you have an office or not. Okay. Uh, where do you live? Last I checked, I'm just saying, last I checked, we teach and we, we, we want to dominate in our, our neighborhoods, I think, right? Because those are our neighbors. And okay, moving on. Number six, um, have you sold in this neighborhood before? Literally, if you listen to any Coach worth their salt, they will tell you that one of the primary conversations with a seller or a buyer, for that matter, is always your experience. Do you have experience selling this type of home or in this location? But that's number six. How long have you been an agent? Folks, it's irrelevant. According to this writer, how long you've been an agent? Um, I might suggest that having gone through the Great Recession probably brought some wisdom. Um, having pivoted through COVID, probably brought some uh, some some wisdom, but not according to this 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 is one of the eight bogus questions. And last but certainly not least, are you a full time or a part time agent? Suggesting that those of you who have, who have committed your careers to real estate fully um, are no different than those who have this as a second or third job. So. My question is this, right? If if you believe that all those are true, I just want you to know, like that's a pretty reputable uh, publication. It's being sent out to hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people, and certainly it's being read. I mean, that that's the that's the talking points. So so what do you do, right? What how do you how do you, you compact that? And so I want to go through a little bit. Um, the, the, the reason this kind of triggered on me today was that that the CFPB came out and said, hey, um, we have over two and a half million homes that are currently in forbearance. And we're concerned about what that's gonna mean to the foreclosure market. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna create some rules that are going to keep any of the homes in forbearance being foreclosed upon until December 31st of 2021. What that means is that the government is worried about a flood of listings hitting the market. And, and I might ask the question, why, why isn't that a good thing considering how low the inventory rates are? Don't we need more inventory? And while I, 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 foreclosure is horrible, I, I certainly don't mean to suggest that we want people to be, people to be foreclosed on, but, but what CFPB is doing is they're saying, hey, listen, we don't want the flood. And the truth of the matter is, is right now, interest rates are climbing and ultimately that slows buyer demand. We haven't seen it in our contracts yet, but we're seeing it in the mortgage applications. Remember last week, down 32% year over year. The world is opening back up, right? When you open back up and these cities um uh are, are people are, are able to go out and go to restaurants and and you know go to work and all those kinds of things, it's going to slow the demand for relocation that many of our markets have have benefited from. And while new construction has not caught up yet, and there's plenty of opinions out there, the truth of the matter is, is that lots of people are building lots of properties. All you need to do is look around any of your neighborhoods and you'll see new land being developed and new homes being constructed. So it's certainly going to ease some of the challenges, sort of, right, it's catching up. And the current administration is certainly intent on using inflation to control that slowdown of the economy. And, and and the truth is, if we flooded the market with inventory, then that would make it more challenging for for them to to do it. it. Might might actually slow it down too much, right? So so here's five things that you can be doing right now. Here are the tactical pieces. I I'm, I'm sorry to just keep talking, but you guys need to understand the information. You need to know exactly what's going on, and you need to formulate your opinions because if you don't have your own opinions, you have agents like this person who wrote, wrote the eight bogus questions. That become the experts. Can you imagine that somebody published this article? Right, that 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 writer must really know what they're talking about. So here are the five things. Number one, call everyone you know who owns a home. Now is the time to to sell. Period. End of story. There's no arguments about it. There are two and a half million other homes that potentially could come on the market because of foreclosures that won't come on the market because of foreclosure in 2021, according to the C. FPB, But that means that they'll be coming in 2022. So now is the time. Number two, use Real Vitalize. You're one of only two companies in the United States that has access to this. And just because people have equity in their home doesn't mean they have the time or money to be able to do the repairs necessary to get their property ready for sale, right? What a great opportunity to be the solution and using Real Vitalize is that solution. Target, number three, target homes that are in forbearance. Folks, you've got Google, get on Google, figure out the best way to identify neighborhoods that might be at risk for forbearance or actual homes that maybe have missed a payment or so. Number four, know your numbers better than buyers, better than your clients, better than your competitors. You've got people out there that are competitors to you that are going to be out there telling a story. And as we can see from this inman, in my opinion, all right? The story is not always accurate. So if you know the information and you know it better than anybody else, you can actually be the knowledge and wisdom broker for your clients. Your, your buyers and sellers are more educated today than they've ever been. And it's only gonna get more and more and more That way. We have to be able to take the knowledge and convert it into wisdom for them, right? They can get the knowledge all they want, but they don't have the wisdom because they aren't in the industry. Follow? And number five, seek out multiple sources of information, right? NARS is a great source, right? The Mortgage Brokers Association is a great source, KCM is a great source. Um, certainly Inman has got some stuff like there are great sources, but you need to you need to take all of them and you need to weigh them all together because the information is being skewed for different purposes. Here's what I know. If you transition to the Great Recession, if you pivoted through COVID, the whole shutdown, you have the experience and the wisdom required to do this. You just need to apply it. So my question to you is, will you? Have a great day and always be distinctive.